What has your life on hi-fi? Gratitude has my life on hi-fi. I've learned to appreciate who I am, what I am, where I am, what I'm doing, who is around me, why I'm here, and I'm so grateful for it. You're listening to Life on Hi-Fi, the podcast, and I'm your host, Dominic Justina. It really doesn't matter if I create a masterpiece or not. It doesn't matter who likes it. As long as I'm enjoying the process, that's all that matters. Follow me as we talk about relationships, love, purpose, passion, you name it. Focusing on what you have versus what you don't have uh, can be a huge game changer. A public expression of freedom is just, I don't know, like it was so, 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 so liberating for me. Do what you have to do. Take some time off if you need to. But when all is said and done, you got to keep moving forward. Let's commit to living our best lives together, shall we? So I'm still facing. Oh, there we go. First of all, where in the world are you right now? I know you're in Ghana. Yeah, I'm in Cape Coast right now. Cape Coast is where a lot of the um, the slaves were actually taken. This was, you know, from Burkina Faso to Nigeria to parts of Ghana. Wait, wait, wait. Before we dive in, did you know that Life on Hi-Fi is now on YouTube? Feel free to catch the visuals for this episode over there if you search Dominic Justina or click the link in bio on Life on Hi-Fi's Instagram page. In this episode, I'm joined by the wonderful Randell, founder of the company and arts movement Rise, right here in Toronto. He's a poet and author amongst a list of things that make him an amazing human being. His life is colored with challenges and triumphs, from having multiple near-death experiences to being arrested and then sharing the same stage with Barack Obama while performing a beautiful spoken word segment in 2020. Tune in as we dig into his story and get real about the idea of claiming what's yours. Welcome, Randell. He's the founder of Rise. Um, you are into edutainment, which I like. I like that word. And if you can break down what that word means, because you're also an artist, you're a poet, you're an author. It's essentially, you know, the merging of ed- education and entertainment. I think it's easier for people to to listen and want to be educated if they're being entertained. You know, yeah. you think about children, you think about even us as adults, like when we're, when we're being entertained, it's easier for us to take information in. But I also feel like being an entertainer is also about like activism. You know, the role of being an activist through your art um, and that you're just not on stage to educate people or to entertain people, but that there's a way to educate people um, and, and really galvanize and empower people to want to to be better and do better at the same time. Yeah, of course. I love the I love that. And sometimes I like stripping away the titles. So we dived into edutainment. I'm going to ask you a fun question because I know you like Soul, the new Pixar movie by Disney. Um Let's imagine you're one of those little spirit blobs and you're in the great before. They have this idea where before you're born, there's this great before and you're an unborn soul at that point. So pretend you're that and then you just earned your earth bad, which means you're ready to be born into a body on planet earth, right? And in order to earn your earth badge, you found your spark, I don't know if you remember that part of the movie, but like there's this area where they had people doing all manners of activities, like some were playing music, some were playing like different things. 
you found your spark, which means you're ready to jump to earth and become a being. So what did Onborn Soul Randell find as his spark in that movie? That's a wonderful question. <laughs> wonderful question, especially because I love the movie so much. I feel like my spark was really about helping people tell their story and creating a safe space for people to tell their story. I also believe with the transition that I've made in my life, just really being able to take my life from a really negative experience where I was a troublemaker, a delinquent, an angry child and experiencing a lot of trauma, I think really it was for me to find a way to tell my story and then give other people the opportunity to do the same. So I'm a healer. I, I feel like I'm an arts practitioner and through my art, I'm able to heal people. I'm able to create a safe space for people. But I feel like most importantly, I help people find their own voice. And I feel like that was my spark. And I think that's like the launching pad, but there's so many other things that have come out of that that I'm really grateful for. But I would say that's where things really started for me. That's very beautiful. And I, I, I feel like I naturally feel that with you, the healer aspect of it, because you are an artist, but there is something very therapeutic with what you do and how you navigate the art space. And it's never, it's so easy to be kind of self-absorbed in your own work as a creative, but then you find space and you make space to ensure that others around you are good, which is what Rise is all about. Um, For those who aren't familiar with Rise, would you like to kind of give like a brief, a brief like description of what that is and how that came to be? So RISE stands for Reaching Intelligent Souls Everywhere. Oh, of man, course, because you're a man, you're a man of intention. So of course it has to have like a deep meaning behind it. Must, Love it. Yeah. Must, like it must. And I think it, it has to have a deep meaning because it will naturally attract the people that need to be a part of it. And that's what RISE has done. And to me, RISE is its own entity. Picture this. RISE happening every Monday. The room so charged and filled with energy with artists from all types of backgrounds and disciplines you'll find what rise looked and felt like pre-covid on our instagram page so go follow at life on hi-fi you guys now back to a regularly scheduled program (laughs) the whole idea behind it was when i found my voice and i found my opportunity to using my voice to help other people i wanted to be able to give other people the same platform you know because I realized that it's not about me. And I think also being an educator, being an entertainer, is for you to recognize it's not about you. It has nothing to do with you. You are just the vessel. So I've just been the vessel for Rise to kind of come out. And so we started with 23 people. And even how it started was me and four, three other friends, we sat down and I had this idea. We all had an idea. We wanted to make the world around us better. So one guy wanted to do basketball. One guy wanted to do media. Another person wanted to do like sports camps. And I said, you know, I want to start with poetry. And it was supposed to be this, this organization where all of us had our own facet in terms of how we were going to make the world around us better. But I started with poetry first. Um, the other guys didn't necessarily want to support, but I knew this thing had to happen. So we started off with 23 people um, in this small space at Scarborough Town Center. Uh, and, I, and one thing I believe in, in with Rise is the consistency. It was every Monday, same time, same place. You know, we did change uh, locations twice. Uh, but it was really about people using spoken word, poetry, music, dance, acting, whatever performance art that they had to bring to really offer an opportunity to tell their stories, to create community, but also for them to uh, be vulnerable in a world that doesn't allow us to be vulnerable, in a world that doesn't want to see us vulnerable at the same time. 
that thinks vulnerability is a weakness. Yeah. And I think the last aspect of it is once we created the safe space, let's say artists came five weeks in a row, 10 weeks in a row, you know, and they said, Randall, I want to learn more about how to be a better artist. I want to learn more how to be uh, a better business person when it comes to the art. And so we partnered with the city of Toronto. They gave us $10,000 back in 2013. They, we partnered with them to put together this convention. The convention featured some incredible people like Director X, Shy Wisdom, David Click Cox, Gavin Smith, um, you know, some people who are affiliated with, actually, I won't even name call, but just people who are doing their thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, that was really about building the artist, but also developing the, the business acumen that the artist had as well, too. So when they came, they said, okay, now I want to learn how to make money from it. So what I did is I created, uh, I created a for-profit business. So we have a not-for-profit and a for-profit. So it's a social enterprise. The Mm -hmm. not-for-profit develops the artists and the for-profit gets them shows to make money. And so what I use is I use that money to funnel back into the not-for-profit. So it's kind of like a figure eight, you know, they just feed into each other at the same time. So um, that's what Rise is really about. It's a social enterprise built to heal and create safe spaces to help artists excel. Yo, that's so sick. And I mean, I'm just like nodding just because it's the way that kind of like manifested from like an idea in a room with like four guys, different, you know, different facets as you would name them. And then how it's kind of built itself into this large community of support, nonprofit, for profit, like both working hand in hand. And it, you know, it's just, that's kind of, that's pretty amazing. And it reminds me of one of the things you were talking about the other day. So the other day, let me tell you guys, the other day, (laughs) Randell asked me, how are you doing? And honestly, I was going through like a rough time. And instead of, I was like, should I just be like, I'm fine. I'm okay. Like that's the standard answer that we normally give people. Right. And then I decided to kind of open up and talking about like my anxieties around, you know, kind of shifting and going after what I want. And you were talking about, we ended up talking about intention and manifesting and this idea that it's already yours. And to me, that was so powerful because you're someone who strikes me as, you know, you walk in faith, you walk with confidence. And I'd love to kind of get more insight into how that came to be and like how you've, how it's been, how you've been able to see it kind of work towards your favor that kind of thing because it's hard, like I can't imagine what you went through just in the process of building up I'm sure you've been discouraged at some point how do you keep faithful it's not easy and when I say faithful I don't necessarily mean just in God I mean like faithful in the fact that your idea is enough and it's meant to be and you can be successful yeah break it down for me like teach us some things please <laughs> <laughs> um man what a beautiful question I would say, you know, in order for us to know where we're going, we have to know where we came from, right? So when I look at my past, I see a 12-year-old boy who was arrested three times for robbery, failed to comply, and assault. And then I look at the 17-year-old me who graduated from high school, uh, who was awarded the School Spirit Award, who got a free trip to go to India, a free trip to go to Las Vegas, um, the president of our student council, uh, got a $3,000 scholarship, Ontario Scholar, and a valedictorian um, award as well too, and got accepted to university. I don't say this to brag, but yeah. I just say in five years, what, what changed in five years, you know? And I think for me, it was about the choices that I made that really shifted who I became. 
And I'll never forget sitting in the audience and my mom was sitting in the audience and she was crying. And I just remember seeing tears in her eyes. And it was a really powerful moment for me to realize that, man, you know, I'm definitely a different person. And she was really mm -hmm. proud of me that day. And, and mm -hmm. I just felt something deep inside of me wake up, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and the reason why I meant so much was when I was in going to court and I was getting arrested, she was there for me. And she'd worked something called the graveyard shift from 12 a.m. to 8 a.m. is when she would work. And then she'd come, she'd come to me at court at 9 a.m. after working a, an eight-hour shift, standing on her feet in a factory, you know what I'm saying? And so when I look at who I became at 17, I was really proud. Two months after I graduated, not even less than two months after I graduated high school, I went to a club um, with a few of my friends. And without getting into too many details, um, I almost lost my life that night. I got stabbed in my elbow. You can see right there. Got stabbed oh, in my shoot. elbow. Yeah. I see the sky. And I got yeah. stabbed in my back as well too and i remember thinking Gosh. god why me you know like god i just came back from india doing this volunteer work i just became valedictorian I'm about to go to university in a month why are you doing this to me god you know and i think it's one of those things where we have to stop questioning why me and then start really asking why not me and the reason why i think faith is so important is for you to recognize that where you are is exactly where you need to be right now and the moment you start thinking that you're not supposed to be here it's almost as if you're you're telling the universe you're telling god that the universe and God is wrong. But let's pause. The universe and God was here before you and the universe and God will be here after you. And it's important to recognize that you're not a victim. You're not a victim of the things that are happening to you. You are in fact, literally where you need to be because it may not be where you want to be, but it's where you need to be. And I think in the book that I'm reading right now, um, like that I told you, The Obstacles Away, what it talks about yeah. is that things happen to you but it's not that the things that happen to you are good or bad. It's your perception that you give to them that are good or bad, right? So let's just say somebody takes $100 out of your wallet. That's a, that's a really crummy thing to have happen, you know? But maybe that person, if that person took it from your wallet, maybe they really needed it. So now your perception can be, instead of saying, this person stole from me, you can say, you know what? I was able to bless somebody, even though you didn't do it intentionally. Somebody was blessed with $100 and let it be. Because now you're telling the universe that you're not afraid to lose money and yeah. that you're not a victim. So when it comes to the idea of faith, when it comes to the idea of faith in anything you do, it's about perception. And perception in meaning that, what, so, so Dom, like what's good to you may not be good to me, mm -hmm. right? And I think good and bad are subjective. Yeah. Right? Well, but okay, I have, a, I have a question about that because what, sure. when, while you were talking and you were like, and the name of the book, The Obstacle is the Way, like that to me is already such an interesting, very interesting title because my question is why? And you mentioned the robbery and I'm like, yeah, if someone takes something from you, then I guess you can kind of flip it. But there are other things like what if it's a situation where someone dies or someone robs you of your innocence, you know, you're sexually assaulted, those kinds of things. Right. It's it's or even with you when you got stabbed in the in the club, which I'm really sorry to hear. I'm really glad you're here with me now <laughs> and you're here living your life as a light. Um, how do you even see begin to see those things as not bad? Like how else could you spin certain events as not bad? That's a good question, That's I gotta good. say, because I feel like we're taught in life to um play the victim like we have the victim in our mind and we have the judge in our mind you know so mm -hmm. um the victim is often the one that says why me you know why did this happen to me 
oh, I guess I deserve it. Maybe I'm not worth it. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not smart enough. And the victim will allow you to go deeper into that. And that's a, a voice in our head that we, from, it's a learned behavior. Then you have the judge, which for me is my parents' voice. My parents' voice judging me and saying, you should do this, you should do that, making me feel like I'm not good enough. So the judge feeds the victim and the victim feeds the judge. They work hand in hand, right? Mm-hmm. I can't speak to the sexual assault, but I can speak to my experience when I got stabbed. So what happened to me after I got stabbed? And I mean, like, Dom, it was one of those nights we were having a good time, you know what I'm saying? And basically what happened is after I got stabbed, my friends found out about what happened. My friends yeah. said, listen, we're going to go get these guys. They found out who they were, where they're going to be the next Saturday. Just a week later, they knew where they were going to be. They said, yo, let's, let's do our thing. And like, ready, like guns ablaze and everything. These guys were ready. So I just, I paused after I came out the hospital and I, and I had to get stitches in my, my elbow, my back. And I paused. I'm like, yo, you know what? My mom almost lost me tonight. And so here I am, I'm about to go and take another mother's child away from her. And just something about that didn't feel right. You know what I'm saying, Dom? Something about that just didn't feel right. It didn't feel right because at the end of the day, what I realized were the guys who robbed me and my friends were basically on the same level. Both wanted to use violence as a way to deal with their problems. And Mm -hmm. so if my friends and the guys who robbed me are on the same level in terms of how they deal with their problems, I thought, what could I do to help my friends? I seen an opportunity in the problem. And the opportunity was, my friends always felt comfortable to come to me and talk to me and tell me like, yo, my dad's not really in my life or my dad never comes to pick me up. He stopped paying for child support or my mom's always gone to work. So, you know, they have to take care of their little siblings. So my friends just felt comfortable to tell me this information. And I just wondered, well, I am a safe space. How come we don't have a safe space? How come we don't have a place where we can come to and talk about what we're going through? You know what I'm saying? And so in hindsight, I feel like it's really about looking at what happened to you. Mm. Once you've healed, you know, you have to give yourself time to heal. Yeah. And this may not be for everybody because some people may not be ready to take it on. Like you have to give your time, yourself space and time. But I think the most important thing that I didn't do at the right away is I didn't play the victim card. I did. I'm not going to lie. I did at first, but then I, I got to a point where I said, you know what? I can learn from this. And honestly, Dom, like they say that, I think I put this in my story the other day. Somebody said that we all have two lives and your second life really begins when you realize you only have one life. And so you have to live it to the fullest. So after I almost died, I really learned what life was all about. I really learned what my life meant. I learned what I could do to actually make the people around me better. And so that was my experience. And that's how Rise was really born. So Dom, if those guys didn't stab me, Rise wouldn't even be a thing. To be honest with you, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be here. And like tens of thousands of people have been able to be a part of Rise. We've had over 3,000 people perform at Rise. And that's because those guys did what they did to me. And you know what happened? Like, I think it's also not for us to take vengeance on people, but just to trust and have faith that God will take care of it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because wherever those guys are right now, it's not even my business, but I'm actually thankful. I'm really thankful to them, you know, for what they did to me that night. So that's my experience. That was, I wasn't, to be honest with you, I was not expecting that. And like, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm processing because that's such a powerful way to handle situations like that. And I'm thankful that, you know, you were born into this position where you're able to flip it because there's so, so many circumstances where it's hard to come back from something like that. It's hard to not enter into the dark side and like, it's hard to not want vengeance or it's hard to not be broken down 
and feel powerless by it. And what you've done is you've made your healing amplified by helping to heal others. And so I will always be inspired by that. Thanks for sharing. Like it, it definitely helps to put some context into why Rise feels the way it does. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned more of your background though, like growing up and it sounds it sounded like you were in, I, would you say the, like the wrong company or you were kind of going down the wrong path? Yeah. I guess you kind of explained it, but I wanted mm-hmm. to know, did you always know or feel as if you were going to be a healer or you had that light? inside of you or was it the wake-up call of the almost losing your life that kind of made you realize hey I need to change I would say I I didn't always know that I was you know um it yeah. definitely took time for me to get to that point and that point um and I think it was the number of things that happened to me uh I just knew that I was a really like my friends always came to me because I was a good listener I've always been very empathetic for people and caring for people Mm-hmm. Um, but as a healer, I think I've learned that I need to heal myself first. I've mm-hmm. learned that I have to go through the process because I can't, I can't fake it. You know, healing You're is not talk. one of those things that you fake it till you make it. I think there's other things like jobs and, and positions that you can fake till you make it. But mm-hmm. I don't think healing is one of those things, you know, because it will come out like it will spew out in different ways. You know what I'm saying? If you're not healed, uh, you'll yell at somebody un- like um, wrongly. But I, I can't say that I've always been this way. I've always been caring and loving. My mom raised me that way. I've always been a good listener. Um, but I can say that I had to go through what I went through. And I don't regret anything, you know, Dom. Like, and these are just two stories that I've shared with you, you know, about mm-hmm. my arrests and then my getting stabbed. Like, so those are just two stories. I've had other near-death experiences, you know, that have shown me, like, Randell, like, this thing that we call life is really, really important. And you can't just take it for granted, you know? There's something really sacred about waking up each day. Yo, Dom, do you know, like, as you and I are speaking right now, that somebody was just born into this earth? In fact, 3,000 people were just born this second. Mm. And again, and again, but at the same time, a number of people just died and are no longer with us. So Mm. this thing that we have is a gift. You know, you really have to take it each day. Um, with a grain of salt and just be grateful like gratitude for me has been one of the most beautiful things that have helped me get to where I am today you know just be grateful for where I am so uh, it's a journey of self-mastery that I'm on every day say it Um, (laughs) preach yeah it's a journey of self-mastery for real and and Mm -hmm. I'm just in this space where I want to self-actualize you know whatever I was brought here to do on earth I want to make sure that I make my ancestors proud I want to make sure that what they did for what they did for me to be here, it was not done in vain. Vain. I want them to be proud. Oh I want them gosh. to go like, man, that he he did it. Like he did what he was supposed. I'm even getting a little emotional just thinking about it, you know. But yeah, you know, and I just think about my parents. I'm getting, parents I'm getting emotional me. too. Like I, you're preaching, and yeah, I sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you, but like you are preaching, and I'm so glad that you're. We're talking, and we're. It's not it's in long form. I'm so glad to have you in this moment and in this space. And um, yeah, I just had to say that because I've been, I've been getting emotional. The moment when you mentioned like life, and this is one thing that I, I think I learned the lesson pretty early. And just to share like my story, like when I started to feel that shift of like, okay, this is a very delicate thing that you cannot take for granted is when my brother got shot. 
and he actually died. And I was in a bubble prior to then. And um, like nothing like that was, I was like, nothing like that can happen to me. You know, I'm in a safe neighborhood. Like my, my parents are pretty doing well for themselves. I'm safe. And then this happens and then everything blows up everything blew up and I was a kid I was a kid who was like maybe before I was thinking what do I want for breakfast like what a you know taking things for granted and then all of a sudden I'm just like yo this breath I'm taking why why am I here why is my brother not here like I can't take time for granted and then I don't know, like my, my perspective just definitely shifted from then. So I feel the weight of what you're saying. And I couldn't even imagine being in multiple near-death experiences. But like, it's just something about being close to death that makes you feel more alive, which it feels like, they feel like polar opposites, but that's just the, that's just the effect it, it has. So I feel you. I feel you. Sorry, go ahead. Nah, no, you don't have to apologize, but thank you for sharing. Um, that piece as well. I didn't know that about you. Um, but I think it, it's, it's just interesting how life will do that to us, you know, um, mm-hmm. and how it will bring us to these really crazy situations to, to help us find out who we are. It's almost like you have to lose yourself to find yourself, you know? Yeah. Um, there we get, but, go again uh, with the polar opposites. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's, I think, I feel like that's, that's, that's life in a way, you know what I mean? Like, when you think of it, I like an example is when you have a fire in the forest, yeah. when all, when everything is burned to ashes, the ashes are the most fertile thing, you know, like the fertility in the ashes allows more and in the grass grows back longer, mm-hmm. the trees grow back taller, you know? So it's, it's, it's one of those things where I feel like we have to get to a space where we recognize that what's happening to you isn't happening to you because you're a bad person. It's not happening to you because you did something wrong or you deserve it. I think it's happening to you for you to try to understand and appreciate what mm-hmm. the lesson is there, you know? Mm-hmm. And this kind of goes back to the idea of perception and perspective that I was sharing a little earlier, right? Uh, but I do feel like sometimes you have to know death to know what life is. For those who don't have to experience it, like, thank, you know, thank God for them. But I, I also kind of feel like there's like a spectrum of our souls, like to kind of go back to the movie Soul, there's like a spectrum, right? And some of us are like here on the spectrum. Some of us are here on the spectrum. Some of us are like towards the ending of the spectrum, you know? And maybe it's the amount of lifetimes that we've come back to life or the amount, the learning, you know? I think you get to a certain place in your life where you recognize that your purpose, your reason for being here on earth is one, not really about you, but two, it's that you have to excel and continue to get better with every day, every month, every year, because I just don't believe in, I, I just think it's not about perfection. I think it's a lot about progression. You know, we got to yeah. keep progressing every day, right? So I think death definitely helps us to appreciate life a little bit more. Um, again, like look at what the pandemic's done to a lot of people, you know, it's helped people appreciate their friends and family and just being able the freedom to go outside, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a very interesting, interesting duality, you know? Mm-hmm just to say the least. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm feeling moved to ask you this question now, and it's being a significant healing persona, I would say. Like, that's a significant part of who you are. 
how do you take the steps in ensuring that you are okay? Like, cause you mentioned you have to heal first before you can heal others, but like who heals the healer and like, what do you, what's your, what do you do to stay grounded or centered is basically what I want to ask. I'm in your questions. Um, Stay tuned for part two and remember to subscribe to this podcast for more gems if you're enjoying this so far. As you know, I pour a lot of love and time into this to bring value to you and so I could really use your help. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts and follow at Life on Hi-Fi on Instagram for all updates. Thanks in advance for helping me to share the love and grow Life on Hi-Fi. Most importantly, stay Gucci, stay fly, and keep creating.